0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Front Page Dub. I'm your host as usual, Cody Ojeda, and as usual, joined by Matt Olsen. Matt, how are you doing
1: today? Yeah, is this, a, is this ever going to become a three-man or three-women or three-person crew? Um, if you ask
0: Christian, yes, it will be eventually because we, we're meant to be getting a guest on very soon, but um, that still needs to be organised. So, yeah, if you're in the alien women's scene and you want to join the... Um, Hottest new um, podcast in the A-League women's space. Feel free to let us know. We'd love to have you on, whoever you are. Um,
1: Congratulations for getting through that shout out without Teo interrupting you that a goal had been scored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Teo,
0: I reckon he would be a good guest. I reckon he would have some great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. he would yeah, be good course. banter as well, I reckon. Yeah, many yeah, yeah, yeah. of the dub zone panel. I reckon we should go on dub zone. I reckon that'd be a fucking hoot. <laughs> well, anyway, look, a we're hoot, going to get into a hoot it. And um, a cool. A what?
1: A hoot and a call. Cool. Don't worry. It's a reference to something from like 2014. Don't <laughs> yeah, worry. Yeah,
0: look, man, I don't remember 2014 much. I was in what fucking year nine, something like that. I don't even remember. Yeah, Too long yeah, ago. Sure. It's almost that's almost ten years ago now. I know, it's pretty crazy actually. That's sad. That is sad. Life is moving very, very quickly. Um not much actually happening in the A women's space in terms of matches. Obviously, the international break um has just passed. Uh the Matilda's doing very, very well. We'll get into now, some of the A-League women's plays are doing very soon, but we're going to start off with the big news that was announced. Um, I can't remember if it was, it was yesterday morning, sorry. Um, it, We are recording on Tuesday night, so this was Monday that this was released, Uh, to follow on the Matildas' fantastic victory against Spain. um, To really pile it on, the APL decided then that they would um announce the location of the grand final for this season, which will be played at Combank Stadium. The home of the Western Sydney Wanderers, where they don't actually play any of their women's games. They've been playing mainly out of their training facility. Um, so in a city Sydney, obviously we all know it was going to be in Sydney, even though three of the top four are currently Victorian teams, Melbourne teams to be specific, although no other cities in Victoria actually have any women's sides. Unless you want to catch along and um Ballarat for uh West United. Can we go that far?
1: <laughs> um well, I'm not, hold on. They've spent they've, hold on. They've spent the whole season playing at Sunshine George Cross, so they're not really they're not in Melbourne at all. Really, I mean, they're they're in like the metropolitan. Technically, they're in a very weird spot. What? Like geographically, what even are oh, the Western United Women's Team? They're, they're Western. They're anything at
0: Mel- the Westgate Bridge? That's a yeah. club.
1: Yeah, let's. I, I don't know actually, but to say that they're in Melbourne clubs specifically when when Victory and City are based in the CBD, it's a curious one. To the point, Christian. <laughs> oh, Christian. Oh no. <laughs>
0: We have gotten off to a great start.
1: Through the point, Cody O'Theta. Um <laughs> Look, look, shit. Um, when, when, when we heard about this grand final decision, I'm, I'm almost kind of excited about this in a way. No, okay, I'm not. I'm not. I really take that back. Don't get the pitchforks out. But my whole thing was destination New South Wales, getting this, and more specifically Sydney getting the grand final in my head meant that all of these games were going to be crammed into Allianz. And for the game to therefore actually be in Parramatta is equally as intriguing, but also equally as baffling, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. Like, no, I think I even think... when they
0: announced it, they said it was either going to be at Allianz, uh, Combank, oh, or even oh, yeah, NZ, yeah, No, 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 no. Depending they, on... they
1: absolutely didn't specifically say that it was in Sydney's East, but my my sort of uh how can i put this just the depiction in my head of all of this playing out and certainly the depiction of how they as sort of you know the the the, the sort of um, you know the old the old sort of joke about the ffa um looking out for sydney in the way that they did and all those kinds of things and sydney being favored and danny Townsend, and all, all the talking points about it points to it being very sort of not just sydney but eastern sydney centric and I think for Parramatta to be the first stadium to host one of these said grand finals, no one likes it. Everyone, you know, is is angry about this. But I'm still sort of surprised that Parramatta is the is the venue that comes out on top in all of this. And what scares me is now I know it's a women's final, so it is it is at a completely different ball game. Um, but the fact that they're already putting one of those said grand finals at a smaller capacity stadium never mind the fact that this whole festival of football thing that they had planned for the grand final completely excludes the A-League's uh, women final um, to begin with. Sorry for the way that I phrased that. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just, uh, it's already sort of differed from what I was expecting in a way, but it also just proves how stupid this would be when this this big four that I, uh, you know, spend half this podcast talking about three of said teams are in fact Victorian. So we could be looking at an all Melbourne final uh, or a Melbourne versus West of the Westgate Bridge final um, in Parramatta. And it's pathetic and it's sad. And I mean, we are looking at a crowd akin to, ironically enough, a Western United home game uh, for the men's side in Melbourne. So yeah, a lot of that going on and a lot to really be enraged by. Um, but also just to touch on that element of surprise that it's not... The um the you know, it's not centric to, to Allianz and to and to Sydney's East.
0: Well, we're gonna get into it a bit later in regards to where Sydney could end up being. But even if they were to come out on top and they were to be the ones that are rightfully gonna host a grand final in Sydney, they would themselves wouldn't want it to be a combank either. It's in their enemy's territory. They'd rather even if it's at Allianz like look, we've got to be realistic here. I don't think there's been an elite women's game in history that's hit the thirty thousand marks, so Combank probably isn't going to get filled anyway. I don't mean to sound as rude as what as probably came out, but the reality is that's that's the fact of it. But no matter where they're going to host it, if Sydney were hosting that grand final, they'd want it somewhere on their side of the city, not over in the West. So that already inconveniences them. This location suits no one because it's not suiting the one team that's actually in the city where the stadium is. And it sure as hell isn't suiting any of the Victorian sides when they've got to travel what, an hour and a half, two hours by plane or, well, they're not going to catch a bus up here, of course, but if anyone, any fans want to drive up to avoid paying exuberant plane um, FF fees, because we know how those prices are going nowadays, they got to drive up nine hours. It suits no one. It's stupid. Uh, we can sit here until we're blue in the face and say, why did it go ahead? We all know why it went ahead. The APL saw a bit of money or they wanted to create a tradition. And like you said, this tradition that they're trying to create, it completely excludes the A-League Women's. They're talking about this festival of football. Ninety-nine percent sure they're going to bring the A-League All-Stars out the week of the Grand Final, and I can see where Townsend's kind of to go with that because last year the A-League All-Stars match was such a success, but it didn't follow on to the Grand Final. He's trying to link them together. That's been the whole point of why they're trying to move the Grand finals to Sydney, but he's now used the A-League Women's as collateral to try to get that, try to get that ahead, try to get that off the ground because that destination, New South Wales, have won the rights to both of them. The A League Grand Final is going to get this week long festival of football. We still don't even know what that means, by the way. And the A League Women's Final is going to be two months before. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's going to be in Sydney too. Not to be disrespectful. We do tend to struggle to get people through the gates for A League Women's Games. You're talking, like, we complain about MacArthur West United's crowds, 1,000 or 2,000, or well, not 1,000 anymore, probably 2,000 or 3,000. That's been the average crowd for an A League Women's match. You're not going to get 2,000 people then to travel to another city. So why they've thought that this is a good idea, I'd love to see what these travel packages are going to be because that's another thing that's been brought up, the fact that this is a whole part of the advertised plot that, oh, this is going to be so good. You're going to be able to get travel packages. We're going to make sure um, certain things are subsidized. We haven't been told about that yet either. It's February. This grand final's in April. It's two months away. Give us some fucking details.
1: It's... You know what though, you know what though, though? that is complete, I'm almost certain that any talk of that sort of thing being arranged by the APL is complete fodder for the women's final. The women's final has been neglected and the fact that it's being held at a neutral ground with any expectations of a significant attendance is like, it's It's just, it's stupid. I don't know if their expectation is that they're going to get
0: 5,000 or 10,000 people to this game, but it's definitely not going to happen now. Because even maybe okay. those people in the men's game that were kind of on the peripheral of women, they'll go to the big games. They're all saying they're going to boycott. The only people that are going to be there are those diehard, whatever clubs are in the finals fans. Obviously, you've got a section of the Cove that are at every early women's match. They're not obviously going to boycott. But if it's, say, Melbourne Victory, you know the Vikings are going to travel no matter what. But even saying that, that's maybe 15 to 20 people.
1: Yeah, it's exactly the point. This is exactly the point we are talking about a group of people and like we identify as dubeds, right? We are, we are. And, and we have a, a big community. Oh, hang on. This is, I've just contradicted myself. We have, we have, a big community in terms of passion, right? But we, we have a community that's small in numbers, right? There's, there's no, you just, you can't, you can't play with that in any significant way. And let me, I actually remember Danny Townsend saying it was actually around the time that the club championship, you remember, you remember that? Yeah, the club. Yeah, what the the club that? I've said that the, exact phrase on, a podcast, on one of these it is, it is podcasts before.
0: What the hell happened to the club championship? I know our Lord and Saviour, Christian Marchetti, gave us an update on it at one stage, but since then, mm. the media people are getting it. No
1: one else is getting it. Brody, no can one go, else can, can I get back to my point, please? Sorry. <laughs> Danny Townsend was talking about the, the club championship in 21-22, and he was talking about it being important so that by some ridiculous metric, it was going to get people who weren't traditionally interested in the dub more interested in the dub. Just, yeah. That sort of speaks for itself how daft the idea was that if you combine the league tables, people will pay more attention. Of course, of course they didn't. And we just we, I'm not talking about the many, many mistakes that were made in 21, 20, 22. I just want to point out that Danny Townsend made the direct example that Sydney FC played um sort of this this bumper game in the in the a-league men's competition um and sort of a few days thereafter or the weekend thereafter they hosted a grand final against perth at cogra right the contrasting crowd was so significant that he himself went out to the fans and was personally asking them like what, what why did you not want to come when us see us win a title and he and he started talking about how he was taking it really personally, and he wants to get more people involved in in the A League Women's competition. Now, I'm I'm not I don't want to make this conversation about one person in particular because at the end of the day, it's not right. It's a conglomerate of different individuals, and it's in you know in, in uh, investors and 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 different um, investment firms in particular that are involved in a lot of this decision making, right? So it's not solely at Danny Townsend's hands, but it, it's sort of he's he's the fall guy for it. And he also was the person who made that very comment, right? So he acknowledged two seasons, well, well uh, two pre-seasons ago, I should say, that you know this kind of this kind of atmosphere around a W League and now an A League Women Grand Final is something that that really just can't substantively exist at least in the way we want it to. You're only going to get a couple thousand. Cody, something you, you just said was, you know, to, you were obviously referring to the capacity of Convang Stadium. We don't, we've we never gotten a 30,000, um, you know, crowd to uh, an A-League Women match. Mate, have we even got a 10,000 crowd to a to, to a W League slash ALW Grand Final? Has it ever actually happened?
0: Well, I know that's a target. Well, Victor, is, or not well Victor, Wellington Phoenix is setting for their first game they hit five or six thousand. and that was even a record yeah. in
1: itself. Yeah, okay. So. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm, I mean, and that was still a regular season game, right? It was the first game back in New Zealand. It was really yeah. culturally significant. I'm solely talking about the grand finals, get the archives out. Look at the, look at the crowds for the grand finals, but the APL, the APL don't care. They don't. They are, they, they have basically said, yeah, this festival of football thing, this giving the game to Sydney thing exists solely from from a men's football perspective and that's what's really really insulting here because this this big four narrative that we have especially for victorians it's huge for western united to be doing what they're doing it's huge and for for the victory to sort of have this mentality as as you know the giant killer in in finals and how they can always step up for a big game that in of itself is huge and they won the title they rightfully won the title no, Look, you're in Victor's away. case,
0: they're most likely going to be travelling anyway because they're probably going to end up finishing fourth. But what your point? The on. point that what,
1: what I'm getting, what I'm getting at is, imagine a game like that where you can sell that directly to Victorians in Victoria. I don't even care what the what the stadium is. The capacity of such a game, hypothetically, would probably only be like five or six thousand anyway. But this is exactly the point, and you want and you want to take that away from them and put it in Parramatta. Like you're asking for two thousand people. Like 3,000 people to be showing up to this game. It is the centerpiece of women's football in this country. In the very same year, we are hosting a women's World Cup. It it is exactly what it says. It's just it's just daft from top to bottom. And like I'm I'm happy in a way that the game's being taken away from Allians because I think that goes against the sacrilege that a lot of fans believe it to be that it is that it is this sort of inner east you know posh Sydney side of bias. But what it doesn't do is do anything good for the game. Um And in every in every way, that's just it's it's broken, it's flawed, it's ridiculous, because because you've you've put in the neglect and then you've taken away the occasion. So what you've actually done to the Haley women' grand final is arguably far worse than what you've done with the men.
0: And look, I think that's why, at least in my opinion, why I can understand why people aren't going to boycott this, because this is the one that's kind of been neglected. In it, I think the best way to show the APL they fucked up is to show that we do care about this. Um, what you say about Danny Townsend as well, I think one thing people kind of forget is he's a football person. He's been in the game for a long time. He's not stupid, which in a way, I guess that makes this worse. But look, I don't want to say any comments about Danny Townsend as a man because no one really deserves that. At the end of the day, he's a person who loves the game, is passionate about the game, just made a really, really stupid fucking decision. But look, we'll move on from that topic. It is really negative.
1: I do, I do have a counter to that, just, just quickly. Uh, when I mentioned Danny tens at this, Danny tens and that, that is uh, that is uh, allowed to happen because he made himself the face of all of this. He oh, did. 100%. 100%. I'm not right,
0: having a so go it's, at it's, you. It's, I'm more course, saying people hey, not. Hey, hey, hey.
1: Of course, it's not personal, it's never personal. And the people who make it personal are thugs. But honestly, like it, he. And I know he has a history in the game, you know. One of the great people who put his neck on the line for the game constantly was Greg O'Rourke. And as we know now, Greg Greg is no longer going to be involved with the A-Leagues going forward. These these guys, they're marketing people, they're business people. And what they're doing is, is at least in this case, you know, it's, it's a business decision. And, you know, there's a part where you respect it. I mean, I have a nine-to-five job where I, I make money for a corporation. I Of course I get it. But, you know... You're the face for that. You have to bear that brunt, and that's exactly what Danny's there to do. Sorry, I just I don't I don't don't appreciate. I'm not saying he doesn't
0: deserve criticism for it. I'm saying more about those people that are making a person or that are sending death threats and talking about his family, bringing other people into and that shouldn't. That's where I'm more going with that comment. So we'll leave that one there. That kind of ended on a sour note, which look we're talking about a shit decision. Obviously, it was going to end on a sour note. We'll move on to something more positive which was the um, A-League's representation in the recent um, international break. We had even not even just outside of Australia. There's been a fair few countries that we've represented. Um, obviously, we'll start with the Matildas, the fact that we've had five, or five if you include Alex Chidiac from the A-League women's in the Matildas squad. Um, Claire Hunt, probably the, the name on everyone's lips at the moment, uh, made her debut, got a first start against Spain nonetheless and has been fantastic. Uh, Gori, looking like she's going to be a lock for the World Cup. Um, Alex Chidiak, obviously her loan deal with Melbourne Victory has ended, but she's fabulous as always. Uh, Courtney Vine, stunning goal against Spain as well. Absolutely fantastic. Peach of a goal. And Larissa Crummer, who came on towards the end of both games. Uh, Not the same impact as the other four, but definitely trying to stake her claim. Uh, We move on. So, you got the football ferns as well, a lot of Wellington Phoenix representation in that, although they're probably not doing too well. But one person that probably deserves a shout out is Michaela Foster, who's made a debut and is actually having a fantastic season so far. Um, uh, Kova, who is a Czech Republic forward playing for the Wanderers, although hasn't featured since um, January 2. She actually started the match against the Matildas, um, obviously, didn't do much because the Matildas are fucking awesome um serena bolden and sawiki for featuring for the philippines um the biggest news probably at the moment though deborah and delaharp um i don't know if you want to use the word defected but will now be representing ireland
1: uh i i, I don't know where in this sort of uh, international recap you wanted me to come in but sure i'll, I'll come in now on the conversation with delaharp oh, that's oh, why i stopped it is why you stopped um now I have to talk specifically about delaharp when I was going to go on a tangent about a few other things. Um, hey, go we could have work that. More, we, we, huh? we we worked it. that out better. We could have, but we chose not to. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, look, I, I think this is a case of um, if 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 you can't make that squad, uh, make, the, make the personal decision that's best. And um, yeah, I mean... What's what's intriguing, uh, I don't know whether she's questioned it or not, but she's probably seen that Ireland are uh, having a bit of a bit of a drive now, directly involved with Australian football, as we've seen with uh the the uh, I forgot her name off the top of my head, Sarah Rowe. Sarah Rowe uh coming into the victory setup. And just small things like that where they're they're keeping an eye on Australia and the Australian domestic system. Um, not just because they're playing the Matildas, but because, you know, the more familiar a lot of these girls are with Australian conditions, the better they'll do. Um, I'm not sure they're ready for a five-hour flight to Perth to play Canada, but that is... Um, and you've got to you got to say for Canada and Ireland, is it not a bit strategic that we're sending our two biggest rivals on a five-hour flight to the West Coast? To me, it just sort of reeks of like, yeah, you're in our group. Fuck off and go out that way, you know. And because they were doing Canada it to Western. Canada
0: right before they got a playoffs too, I'll say that.
1: Yeah, and I, I no, I think it is one hundred and ten percent strategic. And I'm I'm even saying this as a, as a Western Australian, like like I'm all for it. Um, so I don't know I don't know in that particular case how well the girls will be conditioned. I just I know from everything that's being said to me that um that game in Perth is going to go off. A lot of Celtic fans, a lot of people with a lot of cultural links to Ireland, that are buying tickets in their droves for that game. A lot of beer, a lot of fun, Irish culture. It is. It is going to go up, and obviously they're still going to be the underdog against. We presume a Canadian eleven that um, has resolved their strike issue, issues. Sorry, I was supposed to be talking about dollar wasn't I? Um, no, look, yeah, I mean, you, you you're making the right decision for yourself with the World Cup coming up. Um, whether whether it lasts beyond the three games or the the four games, five games, however Long Island's campaign is. Um, you know, it's, I think it's still, it's still a good decision for someone um, and it's mutually beneficial because you're getting the FA to get more of that sort of local experience um, with the Australian conditions. You're understanding the Australian system a lot more and you're doing what's beneficial for your team by uh, respectfully to a lot of female talent out of Ireland and, uh, and throughout the British Isles, really you know, you're, you're getting a better standard of fire. <laughs> That's a bit savage. <laughs> I was going to say, look,
0: you're talking about this is going to be a short-term thing. She's good enough for that side long-term. Like, you're talking well, about well, someone
1: well, who... I, I think it is short-term. though. I think it is because because you just well, have she come run. back to Australia. Uh, well, no, no, no. Not necessarily that she's going to defect and defect again. FIFA All-State, you probably can't be doing that anyway. Yeah. What I mean is the goal, the goal is let's write out a World Cup campaign with Ireland and see where, where we can go from there, right? To become, to become a senior player within Ireland a little way down the road. I mean, sure, maybe, but, like, it, who, who cares at that point? Like, it's it's all about what's coming up and what's coming up now, and and there's huge potential there.
0: Um, I mean. We'll move back on to the Ailey women's. We're going to talk a little bit about the bottom and then a little bit about the top of the table. Um, one thing I want to mention going on at the bottom, the team currently coming ninth, Adelaide United. Uh, considering last season they had one of the best attacks in the competition, I do believe they actually finished with the best attacking record, if I'm not mistaken. If someone need to fact check that, I could be wrong. I'm not going to uh, confirm it myself. But this season, they definitely have the worst. And when you have uh, the Wanderers who have been as, as bad as they are that we keep talking about in front of goal, that is saying something. Adelaide, currently the only team still in the single digits in terms of goals scored with only seven. And considering Warts pretty much did that in one game last season, that is very surprising. So considering there's been... Relatively little change to their front line. Chelsea Dolber's back. Uh, Fiona Watts is that. Even Dylan Holmes is there. Emily Condon obviously been out injured for a little while this season. But not much difference in their side. But things have really just turned a corner and really taken a turn for the worse. So I don't know how to really go through what's happening there. in In, in my mind, it's just baffling because... This is a side that you look at the players on. You look at the, you look at their team sheet. You look at their squad on paper. This should be a side that I'm not going to say it's going to dominate the competition, but they should definitely be making a push for finals. So to be where they are now, it's it's in a way disappointing, but in a way it's kind of baffling too.
1: So you remember? Look, I, I don't quite think that this was something that was at the heart and center for the mid-season review i certainly made similar comments at the mid-season review about perth right because what it was all about was everything is sort of going right the mentality with the team is right why are they like ninth or tenth yeah you know, at times in the season of course they're they're probably the side that's a lock in for at least fifth or sixth now and that narrative changed the polar opposite is true of adelaide adelaide Actually, spent the start of the season in the top four. <laughs> they they actually spent part. Yeah, they got season... off to a fly start. Yeah, they 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 were the ones that were the challengers to that big four narrative. So much so that that big four narrative didn't exist, and it didn't exist for a very clear reason because there was big talent out of Adelaide that was scoring. And although to me it was always clear that they were probably, uh, they were probably mid table, they at least had shown on their day what they could do and how they could be dangerous and how that could potentially play out in a final situation. Now we've gone from talking about, uh, you know, Newcastle are bad for this reason. Wanderers are bad for this reason. Wellington are bad for this reason. The narrative is now on Adelaide and it's pretty remarkable. It says a lot about this season and how this season has been very good and very competitive. That a team can, can fall off the perch again because, you know, in finish to them. It's happened to four other teams already. Why, why can't it happen to them? And, I mean, yeah, Chelsea Dorber and Fiona Watts are the two names on everyone's lips because they were at the heart of that season starting so well. And now, you know, they're sort of names that through absences and through poor performances and through a variety of other factors can't get that team together. As a result, Cody, we, we, we see in Adelaide that are fundamentally different. You'd lose the heart of your team, at least in a, in a mentality sense things things can go bad. I I referenced at the very least that Tony Popovich had lost the dressing room in the A-League men while simultaneously saying that he's a good guy and we should keep him. I've made similar comments about Warren Moon. That's sort of hypocritical. It's a hypocritical thing to say. But when I when we say that Adelaide are a really good side and they have good individuals, they do. They they do. They just objectively do. But they can't make it work for for reason X, Y, and Z. And and in a competition that's as lethal as the dub has been this season, it's a single swim environment. Adelaide have have found that poor form and have not found the formula to recapture it back. My question being, and if Antonis or Christian were here, it would be a lot clearer of a question to answer, but structurally and and you know with with more sort of a, a deepened look on what's going on uh, with the team's management and sort of the day-to-day of what's going on there. Is that where something's going wrong? I personally don't know. I, I have not had enough of a look in. I can only speak to those kind of things from a Perth perspective. So, yeah, I I, I do wonder where that's gone wrong. Um, but, yeah, Cody, um, not exactly the first time this has happened this season.
0: I think if you're talking structurally, there's got to be an element as well where you talk about the confidence of the players because one stat that kind of sticks out to me where their words are kind of coming from. They currently sit third in the league in terms of big chances missed. Now, the two teams above them are City and Sydney, who just genuinely create a lot of chances. Adelaide scored seven goals. They've missed 17 big chances. Imagine if they put four or five of those away, suddenly looking a little different. And considering a lot of Adelaide's games, this is something we spoke about in the mid-season review, where a lot of those games were very, very tight, maybe bar the first Melbourne City game. You score a few more goals in those games. You're picking up a lot more points. Things don't look as bad as what it does. At the end of the day, they've only scored seven goals. The next worst attacks are 10 and 11. You score four or five more. Yeah, with them, you don't look as bad. Doesn't mean you don't have a problem, but it doesn't look as bad on paper to say you've only scored seven goals in however many however many so matches. So I think one thing that also needs to be taken into account, because you're talking about confidence, uh, Chelsea Dorbart didn't have the best of times in the NWSL. She was struggling for game time. So she essentially spent the off season while everyone else was kind of playing. She was almost just sitting on a bench the entire time. Fiona Watts, from all accounts that I've heard, actually struggled in Norway. So they've probably just brought poor form back over to Australia. We're talking about Watts, she's just came off the back of this fabulous season. She's actually coming off the back of what was quite a poor season in Norway. So
1: I mean, I guess that kind of plays there, into as well. That does not explain their lightning their lightning fast start.
0: Yeah, well, look, how much how much of a part did they, those two play in this lightning fast start? If Ross wasn't me, scoring goals this season until very yeah, very recently, me,
1: that's that's where things like leadership and being an important influence on the team can come into it.
0: Yeah, look, true, maybe, but I'm talking more in terms of just doing their job, her, and scoring her, goals. Her
1: ability and, and certainly her, her her ability to be clinical. Yeah, I, I get it. um We're talking about someone who who knows who knows how to score a goal or two, right? So so I, I get it, but. Again, I just think that when you have a team that is not structurally right um you know there is there is a lot that can go wrong, but we don't know how to really speak to that. I think that's that's fair to say because we've both admitted that we find the team to be quite well together and, and at least have individuals that we know can be good. There's no denial of that. I so think, yeah, I don't think
0: there's anything wrong with how they're playing. They're, look, they've shown they're creating chances. They're able to push forward. They're not being overrunning games. They're just not scoring goals. So it's mm. not even a this situation where you can look at it and go, oh, Stenter's job on the line. Stenter's not really doing much wrong on his own. It's just about no. how do we get the best out of his players? How do we get them in a position where they're going to start scoring goals consistently again like they did last season? I still,
1: I still think when I speak about structure, it's more than one, one individual. It's more than more than just one coach. But it, I'm not. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert um, <laughs> on what goes on, right? Let let me let me just let me just say this: the the, the cure for the wanderers with their attacking problems, um, and their attacking problems were weren't just problems that were happening day to day as much as they were like historical, like statistical problems that were ingrained in that team, and they were fixed up pretty quickly, Cody. So. Do I do I think this team is going to challenge and, and sort of be in that position? Probably probably not. But I still consider them to be a solid mid table team. And that's where they'll probably find themselves. Because when you go on a losing streak, it doesn't last forever. And the old adage from AFL football was that you 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 can be due for a win. You'll just you'll find a way to be due and you'll outperform yourselves. It, it actually is a very natural factor in sport that such a thing could happen. So if I'm a, if I'm a Reds fan and Cody this is mostly a South Australian publication with mostly South Australian listeners. And we are not people who should be speaking to this in depth, but I, I just want to say to any of the Reds fans out there, just, just keep the faith and trust what the process is there to do. And if the process is there to treat people a certain way and, and and adjust certain things, I mean, I mean let it be, but also understand that as we've both said, the team is good, but the team may have a, a deeper underlying problem. And that's, that's where I'm at. Um with my very comments.
0: Well, look, if they're gonna fix up anything this weekend against Mobile victory would be the perfect time to do it. Get one up on over their rivals, and hopefully prove me right in the fact that the top four race is still alive. I just wanted to throw that one in there. Speaking of the top four, I don't want to go into that now actually, because it's not. <laughs> yeah, look, we can have that argument all we want. The the reality is. There's a slim chance, but there's a chance. But we're going to talk about the teams that are currently in the top four, because I think we've spoken about the top four race. I want to talk about the race in first place, the minor premiership, because Western United, I'm going to say something very, very disrespectful right now. I don't think that they're premiership material. I actually think that they come the next couple of rounds, I think we might actually see them dip off. You're coming into the part of the season where Melbourne Victory, as you've said on past podcasts, do step up. Melbourne City, we can expect them to step up. Sydney FC, definitely going to step up. So that leaves Western United, where my big question around them is, have they peaked too early? Sydney FC and Western United play before we next record. So it's not this weekend, it's the one after, uh, 5th of March. That I spoke about pivotal games in the top four race, uh, especially the uh, Melbourne Victory-Brisbane Royal game, which is to finish one all. And I said, that's a big game because if Brisbane can win that game, suddenly they're back in the race of the top four. If Sydney beat Western United, they'll go three points behind them with two games in hand. That keeps that first spot very, very much alive if it's not already, because the reality is Sydney win those two games in hand, they go ahead on goal difference. This would put them three points ahead. Suddenly, if you're doing that at this stage of the season, yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot, but there's not a lot of time to make that up as well. So, Sydney FC... In a very very good position, and the only reason why it doesn't look as such is because they just haven't played the same amount of games as the other teams around them. Um, I'm going to hash out the little victory argument again, and I'm not going to do it in the context of will they dip out of the top four, but more their ability to push on after and their ability to push on in finals. To so talk about how good a team, uh, finals team this side is, they've got to do it now without, without Alex Chidiak. Without Alex Chidiak, how much of an effect does that have on them?
1: I I think that. You well for starters you didn't actually let me have my say on 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 the minor premiership narrative. Well,
0: not, I am it not now. Taking it personally,
1: <laughs> we're, we're, having, we're having it now. Victory and not victory, are not not in that conversation. It's not what they're there to do. Um, this all comes down to Sydney's Sydney's games in hand. But the Chitty thing thing. Look, you are talking about a quality, quality, quality player, an international, someone who has been at the heart of of a really big. Passionate rise of, of women's football in Australia, both sort of domestically and internationally, for a, a very long time. And someone who, you know, belongs at the heart of a big club like Melbourne Victory. I know they might not seem it right now, particularly if you're someone who predominantly follows the men's competition, but they still are. They still always possess that quality because it's so they are. And Alex Stidiak meets that to a T. Sorry to borrow a phrase from Ruben Sakovic, but like that 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 is her. That is that is her. That's what she's there to do. And I think there's a reason why she molded into that club very well. One thing I will say is, look, yes, they're losing someone who statistically speaking, analytically, is just just objectively going to make that team better. It's It's, um, you know, it's something that in sport, in all forms of sport, you just, you need that, that, that big, that big man, sorry, sorry, I should probably find a a more gender neutral, neutral way to describe it. But, but you need to find someone who is going to produce the results and do it off their own back constantly. And, uh, and just be that, be that rock. GDAC will do that. I'm not really sure who else will, but. Victory have this funny thing where they've got the individuals, and they're a team of individuals who know how to win. They're a team of individuals who they know how to win. On our day, regurgitated finals uh, sort of conversation there, but but am I worried about this particular group of women without Chidiac? Statistically, analytically, someone will find a way. They'll find a way to replace them. And I can I can again borrow a phrase from 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 Perth in that when Riley them, a woman who need I remind you, was winning the golden boot of the A-League women's competition for a team that wasn't anywhere near the top four at the time. They, weirdly enough, had the quality and the depth to individually all kind of step up around her. And people like uh, Jasinowski were, were scoring goals. People like Fonson Camp scoring goals. People like Lowry would, would, would get the occasional goal. And it, it just meant that the, the team was almost more whole in a way without Riley being at the heart of the attack. We're talking about a different part of the field. It's definitely harder to deliver and produce in that way. But there's no reason why Victory can't do it because they're a well structured team and they're a team of individuals that know what to do when the occasion calls for it. So yeah, I think it could it could go both ways, but I I'm less uh sort of frightened for for how Victory sort of become downtrodden in a way and acknowledge that that there is uh there's talent there and, and they could easily fill in for Alex to the best of their ability.
0: I think if there's anyone that can kind of step into that role, my first pick would probably be um, Paige Zoyce. I saw her play a really good creative role out wide at different stages of this, of this season, so to put her back into a natural role, uh, kind of fill the boots of Alex Chidiak, it's a massive task, but also a massive opportunity for her if she can really take that on. Suddenly she's making a name for herself as a midfielder to really watch in this league, which she already should be. She's a fantastic player. But to really make that step up as one of as a key player for Melbourne Victory in a way, so look opportunity there for him. Uh, we're talking about one player uh, missing for the rest of the season. Um, on the other side of Melbourne, not Western United, literally on the other side of Melbourne, um, just across the CBD, uh, Melbourne City have a key player returning actually in uh, Holly McNamara, and or well, two actually if you want to include Maria Rojas who will be coming in for. I mean, Aketu not only got injured but her loan move was um coming to an end anyway so two massive players coming into the side that is something that can really push them i don't know if they're going to hit top spot but yeah no it could be a late charge for top two as well in a way
1: um i hate to be devil's advocate here because i've just picked this out in what you've said melbourne city are technically based in casey They're technically out east. (laughs) So they technically are also on the other side of Melbourne.
0: Technically across Melbourne.
1: And and I've just realized, I've just sort of realized that all three Melbourne teams are completely spread across the metropolitan. Too late. It was too late considering that Western and and City formed much later. City obviously formed their geographical identity in what, 2019? So, like, you know. Maybe later, even. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So just. Felt like nitpicking that. Sorry, Cody. <laughs> um, Holly McNamara is one of those players that again is always going to deliver. Just gonna unfortunately just say the same thing again. Um, without without bringing up any any Perth examples, so that's all right. But the the statistical stuff, the analytical stuff, Holly McNamara delivers it. Um, as well as you'd want someone of her ability to to do.
0: Oh, no, no, hundred percent. But I'm more just saying you're looking for a season. If you need just an injection of talent to come in just to kind of get you by and really give you an edge going, just pushing into the final series and for the final series, you couldn't ask for many better options than Holly McNamara. Um, because because of that
1: analytical and statistical advantage I was talking about.
0: Yeah, exactly. But um, the main reason why I bring her up as well is because yeah, there could be questions about how long it's going to take for her to get up to speed. Um, Melbourne City and West United recently played friendlies against uh Australian under 20s women's mm. side. And Holly McNamara looked very, very, very good in that game, very sharp, very much like her pre injury self. So, any question marks going on about that? Hopefully, it's subsidized because I don't think it's going to be relevant. Um, I'll bring those friendlies up as well. So, Melbourne exactly City beat that side. Going. Sorry.
1: I know exactly where this is going. You're going to talk about what Terry said on Dubzone.
0: I am. Just let me get to it for a sec. <laughs> um. So, well, City beat that side four nil, but that side then went and beat West United three 0 Which look, it was uh kind of more of a second string West United side. Uh, a lot of key players missing. No King. No Cummings. Um, there was Sinclair in the side. Uh, Steer did play. So a few a few key players in there, but um. Look, for anyone that doesn't know, Tayo did make a comment on Dubzone about if you're going to expand the early women's, do you introduce, say, an under-20s women's side that plays throughout the whole competition? What do you think of that idea?
1: Okay. All right. That is the most, that is the most bang average mid-2000s shit I have ever heard. (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Cody, look, again... I'm I'm a stickler for the way things were in sport in Australian sport when I was a kid. Remember those stories I would tell you about how I how I actually grew up on more dub than I did men's A League <laughs> because it was always on the ABC. You know what else was on the ABC on a Sunday afternoon? <laughs> the WNBL. Yeah, the, I know. <laughs> You're probably thinking, where on earth is this going? Maybe you've made the connection. So the WNBL, WANBL, the WNBL. The Women's National Basketball League of Australia had a team formed by the Australian Institute of Sport. Actually, I can find a better example. The Y League did. How did they? How did they go? Did they produce talent?
0: I can't remember actually how the AIS did the, in the NYL. I remember when Canberra produced... put in the N, um, yeah, the, uh, AYL side. Yes, um, they were no NYL side. Sorry, yeah, my abbreviations mixed up. The NYL side, that Canberra side. Obviously, it wasn't the um AIS, but that camera slide was kind of horrible. You're still,
1: you're still thinking a little too further down the timeline. You have to go, I'm serious, you have to go back to like 2007 to understand what I'm talking about here. Man, I was in here too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I remember it, and we're like the same age, man. Yeah, so they had the these, you got, got some years on there. Don't,
0: don't, don't, don't put me in that bracket.
1: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but the, but the AIS, the AIS, like. And again, I'm just being brutally honest here. One of the main talents that they produced, Cody, was Mustafa Romini. Now he's had a good career. He's he's gone and played in Europe. He signed for Borussia Dortmund off the back of this. Yeah, okay, I understand that. But you you look at the names who actually graduated from the academy. It's not it's not a good bunch of players because you're competing with okay, I'm I'm a 16, 17-year-old. Need I need I remind you. Cody, like 16 and 17 year olds are debuting in the dub all the time. They, they don't, they don't need a youth setup. They don't need an AIS type type setup going on. And to use the direct example that I was using at, in, in that era, in this sort of mid to late 2000s, early 2010s era, the WNBL AIS team that they'd set up, right? And it is more relevant because it is a woman's sport and you have the, develop, the development levels and you have players of the same age sort of coming in. That team would get whacked by a hundred points every week and they're an embarrassment so much so that they, that they just about, they, they just about sort of caused, uh, you know, basketball Australia to completely question the way it had, the way it had structured the program. And what ended up happening with the Australian men's example in, in football was that there was sort of, there was funding problems. There was a, a borderline corrupt FA sort of rolling around at the time, if we're being honest. <laughs> and, you know, that program just sort of faded away, but, but, historically who had it produced? Now, if it had produced someone good, you would be able to tell me. You'd go, oh yeah, Trent Sainsbury, or, or oh yeah, Mustafa Romini, or, you know, oh yeah, you know, any of those, any of those sort of well, I know Jamie McLaren
0: spent time in the area,
1: He, he, I don't think he ever represented them. I could be wrong. And, and to be honest. Yeah, I don't
0: know if he represented him, but I don't know he was yeah, there, there still, thereabouts.
1: He still had to grind his way through the A-League regardless. And I think that's a terrible example, right? So, so or, get, or is
0: it the perfect example? Hey, is it the perfect de- example to show why it's not a good idea?
1: Well, sure, sure. But like, Tao is just what Tao is doing is Tao is overanalyzing women's football in Australia because he knows he, he knows the intricacies of it in depth. And he and he obviously spends a lot of time. Teo Pelletieri spends you know most of his life at the grassroots level commentating all these games, talking about all this young talent coming up. His word is like the word to respect. And I understand that, but I'm sitting here getting PTSD to, you know, what the Y league team was like and watching this, you know, teenage basketball team getting flogged by hundred points. And I'm sitting here thinking like history shows, this is just, this is not it chief, you know? And, and, and need I remind you, Cody, we have teenagers, we have teenagers that have been coming in this level since day one. Like the dub is the one competition where you don't need that kind of thing set up. And I could give you more examples. I could, it very notoriously happened in cricket, or just in the period thereafter, in sort of 2012 to 2013. They had an under, like an under 23s, or like a a youth setup team that would get flogged and only score like 50 runs a game. Like, it's just there's examples in Australian sport where we try too hard to overthink our development and think about how we can succeed at the international level. That's great because we we love sport and we we kick ass at sport and we should always be thinking about development pathways. I was talking with Nick Montgomery about the Under-20s Asian Cup that's coming up on the 1st of March, just about how the development schedule can be out of whack with professional leagues. I sympathize. I get it. But this idea from top to bottom is daft. It it, it just is. And and I feel bad for speaking up to King Tao because I'm nothing. You know? <laughs> I am. But he, he, he just doesn't. He's he's overthought this and he's come at, come at this from the wrong angle. So I, I actually am quite passionate about this. And I actually have a lot to say from the perspective that you're wasting your time, and you're you're trying to attack this from completely the wrong direction. It it it's wrong. It's wrong on every level. It's a, it's as wrong as putting the grand final in Parramatta. <laughs> oh
0: man, that's one way to come full circle on this podcast. And look, coming full circle, I think that's where we're just about going to wrap it up. Um, the only other thing that we're re- probably going to speak to a little bit is, um, obviously this weekend is the Pride Cup between Melbourne Victory and Adelaide, and we should see some pride initiatives across all other a-league women's matches uh great initiative if you're around the a-league women's this weekend be sure to go support it um matt you got anything to say to that or any final words
1: mm-hmm. congratulations to perth glory captain tash rigby on her engagement um through Fremantle dockers uh, i want to say halfback angie stannett so two female icons of sport in western australia and their engagement obviously a big statement for, um, for prominent LGBT footballers and you know, not being afraid to be who you are. So yeah, um, on that note, it's yeah, very, very sort of, um, appropriate to, uh, to address that in some way. And and Tash, if you've ever, if anyone out there has ever sort of met her or, you know, had the briefest encounter with her, she is just, she is the nicest human <laughs> being anyone could meet. And this is a, this is a really big statement for inclusion within, within sport, male or female.
0: And yeah, Definitely a big congratulations, um, definitely something to get behind in the lead up to the weekend, could not be um, more well-timed, so we will leave it there. Uh, my name is Cody Ojeda, I've been your host today, joined by Matt Olson. This has been another episode of Frontpage Dub, hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to give us a follow, like, or whatever you want to do on our socials, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, where you can see my beautiful face whenever I get around to posting something. Anyway, that has been the episode, hope you've all enjoyed, and we will see you very soon.